0: Good morning, that's kind of like a video that really gets you, you know, it's very heavy, it seems like, a lot of bass in that as well. Um, so you might see we're transitioning to another another few weeks here, and um, this, we just came out of the series talking about grit, and now we're going to transition into a few weeks talking about fear, or fear not, and it really is, Jason's already described this morning. Um, some of those things, those fears or doubts that we come, un- come into. The other fun part that I think we're going to get to do is that these next 3 weeks we're actually going to be looking at scriptures from the Old Testament. And so you've heard me before and I'll tend to do the same thing again this morning is that's always a bit of a struggle or at least a challenge to figure out how do we use the Old Testament, right? Which in so many ways God's salvation history is being, is being displayed and, and is being acted out in very physical, day-by-day activities of God's people, that is the nation of Israel and then the nations around them and what the nation of Israel is facing and what, what others do to respond or not respond, how they are faithful or, or rebellious against the Lord and how God continues to, to come to them and confront them with their sin and rebellion and they repent. And they are forgiven and, and God continues to care for them. So, so again, for the next few weeks as we talk about fear, we're going to be using the Old Testament. And today in particular, we're looking at some scriptures from the book of Numbers. Uh, has anybody read from Numbers lately? Yeah, not so much, right? Oh, a few. Oh, good, Very good. Well, this is, this is one of those that we just don't spend a whole lot of time in. But it's an important part of the history of God's, of God's people. And so I think the other thing I want to remind us about, and we're going to do some of this today, is that when we look at the Old Testament, the Law and the Prophets, the Old Testament books, so much of what they're about is about foreshadowing. That is saying, letting us look forward to what's coming down the road. And so they're going to be foreshadowing something that is going to be fulfilled in Jesus, right? Jesus is the answer most often in the questions. So think about as we hear from Numbers this morning, we're going to have this audio here in a bit. As we hear about it, think about how it might be foreshadowing or or proclaiming what is to come in a more full sense in Jesus. So let's listen to the video now.
1: The Israelites traveled to a place where there was no water. The people went to Moses and said, we wish we would have died with our brothers under God's hand. You brought us here with many promises, but we don't see any farms, fig trees, or vineyards on top of that there's no water for us or our livestock the lord said to moses gather the people together and stand in front of them with your staff speak to the rock and it will give you water there will be enough for the people and their livestock so moses stood in front of the people he said you're a bunch of rebels do i have to provide you with water from this rock with that he hit the rock two times with his staff Water came gushing out and everyone had enough. But the Lord wasn't pleased with Moses and Aaron. He said, you didn't trust my power. These people saw you disrespect my command. Therefore, you won't take these people into the land I promised them. As the people of Israel moved on, they came to the border of Edom. Moses sent a message to their king asking permission to pass through their land. He assured the king that they wouldn't disturb anything. and and that they would pay for any water they drank. The king refused to let them pass through the land. He even sent his army to their borders and threatened war if the Israelites crossed into their land. So Moses turned away. Shortly after that, the Lord said to Moses, Aaron is about to die. Therefore, take the high priest's garments off of him and put them on Eleazar, his son. Moses did this and Aaron died soon afterwards. The people of Israel mourned his death for 30 days. As the Israelites moved around Edom, the people started to complain again. They said, we didn't have to come here to die. We could have done that in Egypt. We have no water and we hate this awful food. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes into the camp. People were bitten and many died. They rushed to Moses and said, we've sinned. We shouldn't have spoken against you and the Lord. Please talk to God and ask him to take away these snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake out of bronze and put it on a pole. People will be healed from their snake bites if they look at the bronze snake. As the people of Israel traveled, they came to the border of the Amorites. They sent a message to the king asking if they could travel through his land. They assured him that they would not take anything and would do no harm. The king of the Amorites refused instead he took his army and attacked Israel. So the people of Israel fought them and totally defeated them. They took over all their cities and lived in them. They controlled all the land right up to the Ammonite border.
0: Alright so that was a, a little bit longer section from Numbers and I want us to focus on the very beginning of that. That section where we're told that the Israelites were out in the desert and they began to grumble because they didn't have any water, right? So, so here in the history of Israel, we're, we're really almost toward the end of the 40 years of wandering about in the desert. So, so to put the context in place, this really is a new generation. That is to say that many of these people that are complaining were not part of Israel. They were not born yet when Israel was, was taken out of captivity, out of Egypt, and in fact, this is the second time that the Israelites have grumbled against God for not having water, right? And what do they say? How how come we left that place? Why we would have been better off back in Egypt than where we are now? How quickly we forget, right? But but in, in a very real way, the Israelites are are they're afraid. Their fear is that they don't have water. It's a simple. They're thirsty. And if you could imagine, if you're in the desert, and you have no water, that would probably be a real concern. Now, how many of us worry about having water to drink? Huh? Okay, a few do. Okay, well, you're in the industry. I get it, Jim. That's right. (laughs) I I do a little bit of running once in a while, and especially when I was out west, out in the trails, there were times, self-inflicted, I will admit, when I was in the the back country away from water, and it was hot, and I was running a little bit low, but... Again, self-inflicted, and I knew where to get it when I needed to. The nature of the fears of what Israel is facing is just different than what we're facing today. right? But it, it was real, real nonetheless. But this is part of this, this dynamic that Israel is facing in the desert. Wandering about, waiting, and, and calling upon God. And they doubt and wonder if he'll care for them. And what does he do? Through Moses, they strike a rock, water flows. And the Israelites, one more time, even in the midst of their doubt... Are cared for. But it, it, it prompts a question. I think that's the nature of it today. As Jason got started already. What about fear and doubt in your life? I mean, what do you, what do you fear? What, what do you thirst for to be resolved or taken away for, from you? Has there been a particular time or incident that you were extremely fearful for something? Or is it just part of the day-to-day activities of things that you're concerned about? What is your thirst? This past week or so, Carrie and I have been talking a lot about this. Even on the way here, she was pointing out, see, there's another source of fear and just all kinds of fun stuff. And she's been very helpful. So thank you, and I appreciate it. But one of the incidents or uh, occurrences in my life that I want to just share about a little bit is that when we were in California... Uh, My kids were in high school before we moved to Houston, so this is probably four or five years ago. My um, my teenage son had a a medical situation that we lived about kind of between San Francisco and Los Angeles, and I was down in Los Angeles for work, and so I got a phone call from Carrie about 10 o'clock at night. And my son had had a medical situation, was unresponsive, paramedics were on the way to the house, and that's all I knew. So here I am three hours away from home. And I know that my son is in a, in a state of difficulty. Physically, his body, something's going on. We didn't know what it was at the time. And he was on the way to the hospital. So obviously, I jump in the car quickly. And I had about three hours of driving to plead with the Lord. I trust that God has the best in store for me and my family. But oh, man. You get in that situation and the fear creeps in of the what-ifs and it becomes pretty, pretty powerful. Praying for God to, to be the healer, to, to take care of my son, to give the doctors what they need to know what's going on. But Lord, just don't take him, right? Don't take him. You can imagine what that drive was like. Hopefully none of you have been in that situation, but but certainly you can imagine the kind of fear and doubts that crept into my my head. Now that's one particular occurrence. What, but what are some of the things that happen in your life kind of on a regular basis? What are the things we fear? Jason Jason's been open. What what else do we fear? Anybody willing to share? What would you say? Death. Debt. Death? Death. Okay. So we have a, we have then this fear of dying and we have a thirst to know that there is a plan and something for me, I trust. Is is the fear of death about just you or is it about your loved ones as well? Yeah, probably the family. Now that you're married, you had those thoughts, I'm sure. And so we have this this thirst to know that everything is going to be okay in that kind of a situation. Okay, when that's a very, like, death, that's okay, the end of life sort of stuff. What about something more every day? What kind of doubts and fears do we deal with? Rejection. There we go. I might put it this way. We thirst for Acceptance. We fear being rejected. Am I okay? Am I I successful enough? Am I matching up to those other parents that I see? How are my kids going to be? Does someone love me enough to value me enough to become part of my life? This fear of rejection or or a thirst for acceptance, especially in this environment. Again, having my kids now, are in their 20-somethings, and they both are, and we talk a lot about Self-confidence and image and, and the doubts and fears we have about, am I acceptable to somebody else? What other kind of fears do we deal with? Failure. 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 Family brokenness. Yeah, I think, I think these things are all very real. We deal with them in very different ways. For someone that maybe is in the workplace or, or a father, this, this question and the doubts and fears of, am I going to succeed in a way that provides for my family? And young kids that are coming up and how do we plan and, and the, the thirst for, for it to all be taken care of. Family, broken families. We thirst for, for relationship and wholeness and an honest connection. But yet we continually experience, experience broken relationships and people that hurt us and, and we hurt them. I hope you see that it isn't just really big stuff like I talk about in one occasion it's it's the everyday it's the regular life it's it's the going through work it's going through the process of of setting up a, a new facility uh, where I'm working it's it's my relationship it's my kids it's my parents what are we going to do as they age how can we care for them so so I think that these these ideas which aren't just simple like thoughts that, oh, I'm worried too much. They're they're real concerns. They're real parts of life. And these fears creep in, and we have um, we have a willingness to let them sometimes control us. And, and I and I pray that today, I pray today that you're able to take just a moment and think about what is that one fear that gets to you? What's the thing that you thirst for? most for. For Israel, it was clear. It was water. A very real concern if you're in that situation. And as we look at how Israel moved forward, obviously the Lord continued to care for them. This episode, this period of time for God's people Israel, you had from the departure from Egypt when they crossed the Red Sea and then they began to what? Wander in the desert for how long? 40 years. That's a long time in the desert. <laughs> could you imagine that? I mean, we have different seasons, I suspect, when we go through these things we just have talked about, our fears and our thirsts. But you could imagine struggling with something or that situation for 40 years. And in, in Egypt's, in Israel's case, it was a generational thing. Like I said, this... This wasn't the first time they had felt like the God wasn't going to provide water for them. In fact, a new generation of those wandering in the desert were doing the exact same thing that their forefathers had done not long after they departed Egypt. This episode for Israel was so significant that the nation of Israel and through God's instruction, they had a feast or a festival called the Feast of Booths. Now, this is a time which is typical like in our Church history, we talk about Easter or Christmas, and that would be a festival, a special time. For Israel, there was the Feast of Booths, which recalled this time of wandering in the desert and God providing everything for them. So a booth for Israel would have been a temporary residence. Think about like at the carnival, right? A booth at the carnival, it's not there forever. You can hang out for a bit, right? It's its a temporary deal, this festival of booths was a significant and holy time for God's people Israel. And it would be a day of, of eight days and every day there was a specified uh, worship and sacrifice that would go on and they would do this every year. There's a, a tremendous time of reverence and holiness and proclaiming who God is for the nation of Israel. Well John's gospel um, in the New Testament actually describes one of the these episodes and Jesus' involvement with it. So, so picture this. Jerusalem has Jews from all over are in town to celebrate the feast or the festival, the booths. And they're in this process of the daily uh, sacrifices and worship. And the culmination of this festival was on the very last day, day number eight, after seven days of doing a variety of things, the, the priests on the last day would take water And they would walk around the altar seven times and they would be dumping and pouring water all around the altar. The festival of booths would talk about God caring for the nation of Israel when they wandered the desert. But specifically here we have a proclamation of what Israel thirsted for. And that water was part of God's provision and part of his harvest and part of what he provided for them in a very real way. So picture this, right? Everybody's in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. The, the Israelites are celebrating, and then this, this feast of booze, the last day, the water is happening. And just at this culmination of this feast, as the priests are pouring water around the altar, Jesus stands up. And Jesus says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Those who believe in me, streams of living water will flow out of them. Now, here we are 2,000 years later thinking, okay, yeah, okay, so Jesus is just doing his Jesus stuff. But if you're a Jew in that gathering or one that hears about it, what did Jesus just claim? See, Here they are celebrating who God is, that God has provided for them, recalling all of those years of wandering in the desert and and providing, and then now centuries of this festival and centuries of their history. I guarantee you everyone gathered there knew intimately the history of their people, of their family, namely the nation of Israel. And they are proclaiming, celebrating, worshiping that God is the provider of water and of all things that they need. And Jesus stands up and basically says, yep, that's me. Right? You want some real water? I'm right here. Come to me. That would be so, so offensive to that situation, to that location, to what's going on. We could sit back a bit and just like, oh, yeah, okay, that's just Jesus doing his stuff. But but he is clearly claiming that he is God. He's claiming among people who thirst for whatever it might be, come to me. Come to me and believe in me, and out of you, streams of living water will flow. Here we have Jesus, not just fulfilling what God did for the nation of Israel, but but ramping it up a few steps, right? It's not just God away and Moses striking a rock for water, it is God in the person, just as we're together here. Water has a significant place in God's people, in the church. If I had the wireless mic on, I'd walk down here to the font, right, in the the center of our gathering. As we go to baptisms, part of what we account or we recall as God's people is we call on, we call on what? The waters that saved Noah and his family from the flood. We Recall the waters, the Red Sea that was parted to save the nation of Israel as they came out of Egypt. We recall the waters in which Jesus was baptized in the Jordan to begin his public ministry. And when the word of God, the promise of salvation and forgiveness is combined with the waters of baptism, God claims you as his own son or daughter. I presume in this room uh, that not all of us remember the the day we were baptized. I do. Um, But some of us were probably too young or might have forgot about it. I don't know. Um, but the fun part about what baptism is, though, is that in a, in a real way, what God is doing in that time in the baptism, he is placing his name upon you. I baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You are claimed as a child. And so there's a great connection, right? We, we talk about living in our baptism. Today as we began worship, what do we begin? We begin in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It is a reminder every day that we live in the baptismal reality that we are God's child. We are God's son and daughter. We have a family that we're a part of. We're not off on our own somewhere. We've been called into something that is eternal, that brings eternal life, that forgives sins, that, that grants God's spirit to you resides in you in a way that when you go forth, you are the church. You are God's representative showing up in these places. That we can have the boldness, the, the strength to understand that we are gods. And with that comes should come no doubt, no fear. We should fear not of anything because we are gods. But then life gets on, right? <laughs> How was your morning today? <laughs> it probably didn't take long. This morning, for something to get rolling and, and for you to think about, oh my goodness, what am I going to do now? All right, you know, I, I've got so much other things I should do than, than go to worship today. I wonder if the air conditioning's working. It's really hot out. I'm not sure if I want to be there if there's no AC. Yeah, I mean, some of them are kind of trivial, we'll think about, but, but folks, they're real, they're honest. What I pray you hear today is, is an invitation to talk about those things. You, you have been called into a family. And that family goes all the way back through history to the nation of Israel. Those same people in the desert that were demonstrating doubt and rebellion against God. They are we, we are them. It's the same situation and condition that we find ourselves in. but you'd be given an opportunity to have a conversation about this stuff. I I pray and I wish that we could sit down and go through everybody's situation, right, and talk about it. Talk about what's going on. Talk about what the fears are, the doubts. What do you thirst for? Because Jesus calls you to himself and says, come to me. If you believe in me, streams of living water will flow out of you. Don't worry. Don't doubt. Trust in me. And that's an amazing promise, but it gets lived out in real life. Right? Jesus came to that place, that gathering, that time that John talked about in his gospel. Physically was there because he wanted to be in our lives. Not just this some kind of idea that just trust in me, it'll all be okay. As we saying, I believe you are the way, the truth, and the life. I believe. Amen. But you know what? I've got a whole lot of life to get on with. And God wants to be part of that too. He's given you people to be with and talk about that with. Whether it's in your family and and a a spouse or a parent or a friend or or a, a child or a cousin or an uncle. Or it's, that's the biological family. Or maybe it's in the church family. Maybe it's in a missional community that you're gathering in. Maybe it's the devotions during the week mornings that we have. Wherever it is, you have the freedom to to be honest about those those struggles. To share the little things and the big things. That's what we talk about being the body of Christ, the family together. That's it. Would you say, Jason, you like to maybe sit in your mess once in a while? Yeah, I think we're all guilty of that. We sit back and we think, oh, it's not either that important or I'm too ashamed to say something about it. Versus stepping into a conversation with someone where I can address it, and let the living water let Christ have something to say about it. See, in the, uh, the situation I mentioned earlier with my son, he's okay, right? As I was driving home that night, um, it was an amazing three hours of prayer and, and crying out Vocalizing nobody else was in the car with me, so I could say whatever I wanted to. <laughs> Vocalizing what was going on and, and just listening, and um, fortunately the freeways were empty because it was late at night. There was just in time a a great comfort that settled in. Because I realized as much as I love my son. He was God's son before he was mine. God affirmed for me that "Rob, if, if you care about him this much, how much more do I love him? How much more do I love you that I gave my own son for you? I sacrificed my son for you so that you would not have to fear or doubt or worry about anything in life or death. If you are mine, you are mine forever, the Lord says. And I know we get caught up in this, the day-to-day stuff, which I get. It's real. It's where we are. But God loves you so much. He loves everything about you. The broken, the shameful, the secrets. He loves you up everything about you and he will affirm that to you time and time and time again and he's given you again people around you that will tell you the same thing so you don't have to sit back and wonder you're there to share it together that's what this thing is called this Christian life this this thing of faith so I hope over the next several weeks we're going to take some time as I said to Talk about fear. Talk about our doubts, but also proclaim why we should never ever fear in the face of the things we we see. But in fact, come together as God's people and and just live it out. That's what we do. We live it out. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you. We thank you that uh, we can gather as your people. And we can take narratives and the stories, the real life occurrences of your people from generations ago and import that in a way into our lives that allows us to maybe reflect on something a bit differently. We know their fears were different than ours. Their thirsts were different than ours, but yet in so many ways the very same. So, Father, we pray that that here at this place, at this time, that you would grant us your spirit. Grant us your spirit, Father, in a way that gives us that invitation to be open about the things we struggle with so that we can encourage and share and, and hug and cry and pray and whatever it is and celebrate together this life that you've given us, Father, because it's always from you. Help us, Father, to remember that at every circumstance. Father, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our